0: welcome everyone
1: to another episode of the wine and gold talk podcast i am your host hayden grove joined by our cavaliers beat reporter chris fedor and this is as crazy of a podcast as i ever thought we would do um i I, chris let's start it this way because everybody knows what we're talking about it's not even we're not even gonna like sit here and uh and like bs about like they don't know what's going on if you're here you know what's going on so where yeah. were you yesterday when you got the uh, when you got the news, or you were told that this was going to happen?
0: I was on the 18th tee box at Barrington Golf Club in Aurora.
1: Oh wow! Oh jeez!
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you were far from so, everything.
0: <laughs> so a little bit more background on this. So I had gotten a text in the morning from somebody close to the conversation, saying, "Hey." Like in the next couple of days, something big could happen here. But I think it's going to be days, not hours. So if you have something today, I think you're okay. And instead, if it came hours, not days. Right. Right. That's the it way was, it goes in the NBA. These things can happen quickly.
1: Right, right. And I yeah. So you were so you what happened so you are you were on the eighteenth team, did you immediately leave?
0: No, because I'm on PTO technically,
1: like
0: I'm not supposed to be working. I'm on vacation. Um, I was on vacation last week and I'm on vacation now. So PTO for me is a little bit different, right? When the off season hits for the Cavs, I'm still responsible for Cavs stuff, even though my responsibilities aren't as, um, aren't as much as they are throughout the course of the season. You know what I mean? But I still have to be connected to my phone. I still have to be engaging with executives and sources and scouts and, and things like that. Um, when I go on PTO, I try and go. I try and go. I try and limit my conversations with people in and around the NBA. And I try and just decompress as much as possible and turn my attention to my family. Um, so, so because of that, I was thinking to myself, This doesn't have to be my responsibility solely. Um, I can take my time with this and try and run it down and figure it out. And by that time it was just all haywire.
1: Yeah. So did you, uh, how'd you do on the 18th hole?
0: I bogeyed. It it was not great. My mind was all over the place. It was not on golf whatsoever. Um, I was trying to send text messages in between shots and stuff like that. It was, it was not the way that I wanted to finish my round, that's for sure.
1: Well, if if for some reason you don't know what happened on uh, Thursday evening, afternoon, uh, the Cavaliers traded for superstar Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz in a blockbuster deal. Uh, Cavaliers give up, uh, I would say, a pretty significant haul. I would say um, three players, three picks. Um, pretty significant, in their regard. They send Larry Markkinen, Ochai baji Thank goodness I don't. know. No offense to Ochai, but Donovan Mitchell is way easier to say. <laughs> and uh, and Colin Sexton, uh, they are heading to the Utah Jazz, and as well as three unprotected 1st three, uh, rounders. So a a massive haul. But the Cavaliers get a player that I mean I think solidifies them as one of the top you know, contenders in the East at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that remains to be seen, Hayden. I think what their ceiling is remains to be seen. Boston's really, really good. They represented the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals last year. Milwaukee won the NBA Championship two years ago. So it's hard to put a team like the Cavs on that tier, And then, of course, there's Miami-Philadelphia, and Brooklyn didn't implode this offseason. It looks like they're keeping Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together. So with that level of talent combined with Ben Simmons and some of the other moves that they made, it's hard to know what to make of the Brooklyn Nets. But from a talent perspective, on paper, you feel like they're going to be in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. So it's hard for me personally to put the Cavs there right now without seeing how this is going to work but I'll say this like if we were having a conversation about the Cavs and their future um, about three weeks ago saying okay where do they rank in the Eastern Conference what are the expectations for this upcoming season when it comes to a win-loss record for the Cavs I would have said that they're fighting with Toronto and Chicago and Atlanta and maybe New York to just avoid the play in tournament to get one of the final few locked in spots of the playoffs in the Eastern conference. And I would have said to you, Hayden, that, you know, probably around 40 to 44 wins. That's probably the right range for them. Maybe a little bit higher than that. If they get some internal improvement and Ricky Rubio comes off the injury and he can be as impactful or close to as impactful as he was in the first half of the season last year, before he suffered the torn ACL, and then they traded him to the Indiana Pacers for Karis Levert. So that's what I would have been saying. But now I think we can really have this conversation, the one that you were saying, about how high can they go in the Eastern Conference? Do they belong with Milwaukee and Boston and Miami and Philadelphia and Brooklyn? And it's not outlandish to have that particular conversation. Because the kind of talent that they added in this particular trade for Donovan Mitchell raises their ceiling. It puts them closer to the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference than it does the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. And now, if we want to have a conversation about maybe them winning their first playoff series without LeBron James since 1993, that's a real conversation that we can have that we probably couldn't have had about three weeks ago. So to me, that's how the conversation around the Cavs changes.
1: So, take me through kind of what, how you, how you kind of think this thing happened. I mean, I think we've talked about the Cavaliers were kind of in it, then they were out of it, then they were back in it. How do you, how, what's your understanding behind the scenes of kind of how this deal went down?
0: So, it's strange because I'll start this way, Hayden. Um, the Cavs believed that their offer was going to be tough that the best offer that they were willing to give to the Utah Jazz could have been topped and maybe even should have been topped by the Knicks or another team. The Knicks were always the most likely landing spot for Donovan Mitchell because they have a horde of draft picks. Um, so when the Cavs and Jazz had conversations around summer league about two months ago, that's when they first had the conversations. Um, The Cavs left those conversations saying, yeah, probably not happening. Those weren't very productive. They want way too much for somebody like Donovan Mitchell, and we just can't do it. Okay? That was about two months ago. But as you know, things change in the NBA. And behind all of this, I think it needs to be pointed out, President of Basketball Operations Kobe Altman and Utah Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck are close. They have a personal relationship, and they have a working relationship, and both of them are good. In fact, I would say, of all the executives around the NBA, the guy that Kobe may be closest to on a personal level is Justin Zanuck. And on top of that, you know, both teams have completed multiple trades since Kobe became in charge and since Justin Zanuck was making decisions for the Jazz. So I think that helped with negotiations and keeping everybody in the loop and trying to keep these conversations as private as possible and not throwing Laurie Markkinen's name out in the media and Colin Sexton's name and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as the off season progressed, about two weeks ago, the Cavs finally had a feeling of, Hey, we might be in this thing. We might have the pieces that Utah actually wants and New York may not be real about what they're going to give to the jazz they might not give the jazz everything that they could and everything that the jazz wants so that was about like two weeks ago or so the Cavs thought hey there is a path to this thing um and then talks broke down again <laughs> yeah so um or at least real talks about something actually transpiring broke down again and then um As you got into late last week and early this week, and the Knicks continued to hem and haw, the Knicks being the team that everybody thought was going to make the best offer to the Jazz. Uh, They wanted to keep certain pieces out of the deal, and then they agreed to the contract extension with R.J. Barrett. Like, that changed the landscape a little bit. And Kobe Altman reached back out to Justin Zanuck, I believe it was Tuesday morning, um, and said, hey, is there something that we can do here? Like, what is it that you would need from us in order for this to get done? And obviously the Cavs said, if you want Jared Allen, if you want Derrick Garland, if you want Evan Mobley, that is a non-starter. That is not happening. But we will give you future draft capital, and we know that you want future draft capital. Um, so then, you know, about 48 hours later, the Jazz said, hey, we like the package that you are offering us of all of the things that have been offered to us. We like what you have to offer us the best. A combination of young, talented pieces with Abaji, with Sexton, with markinen, and the draft capital that you're willing to give up um, with unprotected pits. So in part, because the Knicks you know, took the approach that they took, the Cavs were able to swoop in there. And they were able to to give the Jazz ultimately what they thought um, was the best offer out there.
1: It, I think that when you look at the deal, I mean, I, I, I mean everybody I've, from what I've seen, I've seen like ESPN gave the Cavs a C, and I've seen all this. I, I can't agree with it. Like you're giving them yeah. three unprotected first rounders. I get that, but if you're planning to be good, and you sh- they should be good. There's no reason they shouldn't be good for the next five years. Right. So what? So what? So So you're giving up Colin Sexton, who you really didn't want anyway, let's be honest. They might have wanted him at the right price, but they weren't, like, begging to yeah, have him. Yeah,
0: they wanted – let's put it this way. They wanted him on their terms.
1: Exactly. Okay, right. So you wanted the, they wanted him on their terms. Abaji literally has proven nothing at the NBA level, never played an NBA game. Yep. And then Markkinen has been very up and down. I had a really bad year last year. So, I mean – I think it's a. I thought the Cavaliers did a really, really nice job with this deal. You don't. You didn't have to give get rid of any of your kind of core players, um, in terms of your foundation. You still have Isaac Cora right. who brings that defensive tenacity. Um, I mean, we you just look at the, you just look at the kind of big four that they have with Garland, uh, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen. I mean, I, I'll take that core just about uh, around anybody's in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and and I think. To add on to that, um, there's a belief that they can all fit together. Um, and, and look, I, I think we can be honest about this. Hayden. Donovan Mitchell is not the perfect fit for the Cavs. No. If if they were going shopping in a superstar store to try and make this kind of trade, uh, they would turn their attention to a six foot seven two way small forward. You know what I mean? Or maybe like a six foot nine two way small forward. Six foot nine,
1: 250 pound out of Akron.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that kind of player because of the Wings <laughs> League. We know that because it's about versatility, it's about playing multiple positions. Um, but here's the thing like, there is no superstar store in the NBA where you could just go shopping and say, well, I want Jalen Brown, or I want Brandon Ingram, or I want Kevin Durant, or I want Jason Tatum. Right. Like you have to be opportunistic with the players that are actually available. And I believe even though the Cavs, you know, had conversations with the Spurs about DeJounte Murray, I believe the Cavs feel like Donovan Mitchell, one, is a better player than DeJounte Murray, and two, is a better fit than DeJounte Murray. Um, and I don't think the Cavs would have given up this package that they gave to the Jazz for DeJounte Murray in those conversations. Um, So, again, like there are questions. How is it going to work with him and Darius together offensively? You know, who's going to take the primary ball handling responsibilities? How effective is Darius going to be playing off the ball? There are questions about them on the defensive end. Can an undersized backcourt work? Look, if there's a situation where an undersized backcourt can work defensively, it's when they're surrounded by two all-defensive type players in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. That level of protection should allow the Cavs to still be respectable on the defensive end and maybe a little bit better than respectable. Maybe not top five the way that they were last year, but I think top 10 is reasonable with Jared and Evan protecting Darius and Donovan. Um, And maybe if you throw Isaac Okoro as the third piece there at the small forward spot, then he gives you some more defensive tenacity and he can take some of those matchups from Donovan or Darius. So, like, no, this isn't the ideal fit but from a talent standpoint, like this is the kind of talent upgrade where the Cavs are willing to sacrifice some of their future in picks in players um, to jump on this opportunity that, that came about because, you know, Utah decided it was time to blow it up and start their rebuild and go a different direction. Um, but, but I don't look at this as mortgaging the future. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they're giving up unprotected picks, but they're keeping the main components of what made them a 44-win team. They're keeping the main components of what made them one of the brightest young ascending teams in the entire NBA. Um, So you feel like with Donovan's contract situation and Jarrett's and Darius's and Evans and their age and the timeline that the Cavs are on and the other pieces that are also surrounding them, and the kind of salary cap flexibility that they could have moving into the future because Karis LeVert is on an expiring contract and Kevin Love is on an expiring contract. But this isn't just a win-now move. This is one that keeps their contention window open, potentially, for the next three to five years. So that's why I don't look at it as, quote-unquote, mortgaging the future because they kept Darius, Jarrett, and Evan all out of the deal. And I didn't think they could get a deal done by doing that hayden i did not think they could do that i thought they would have to part with at least one of those guys if they were going to get somebody the talent level of donovan mitchell but they were able to do it without it and to me that changes um the equation and and whether or not this is a successful trade for the cats i think yeah, it's a home I, run because yeah. they were able to do that
1: yeah I, I could not agree more i could not agree more if 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 any of those guys were involved that you mentioned i'd be like yeah was it really that right. worth it? I don't know. But to add right. add Donovan Mitchell to that, that's incredible. I do want to say something, and I, we've we've talked about this in the past. Um, our friend Brian Windhorst, just absolutely hit the, like the grand slam of all grand slams when he did that, when he did that that thing on the Sports Center or whatever show it was. I mean, what's going on
0: in Utah? (laughs) What
1: is going on in Utah, man? He (laughs) like everybody was so confused and everybody's like, what is happening? Like, what is he talking about? And boom, he nailed it. They get rid of Donovan Mitchell. They get rid of uh, Rudy Gobert. So, so Wendy knew before all of us, what was going down, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And I thought it was, he Uh was vindicated on multiple occasions yesterday.
0: I have to correct you. The person who knew more than anybody else that saw this happening before anybody else was Quinn Snyder.
1: That that's to The
0: Utah Jazz who was that, like,
1: I'm out. I know where not, you
0: guys are going.
1: You could not be more right about that, which is why Wendy said, <laughs> yeah. what's going on in Utah? <laughs> what's
0: going
1: on in Utah? In Utah. Oh, that's going to, now it's going to be a part of Cavaliers lore. If the Cavaliers like somehow when a. uh, another title with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, what's going on in Utah? That's going to be the, the yep. main thing. I do want to ask you, Chris, about, you know, because the fit isn't perfect, right? It, you know, we know that it's a fit that's, you know, they're going to have to try to make it work. So they have Karis Leverett. Yep. They, have, they have Isaac Okoro. What do you, obviously, Donovan Mitchell is not going to come off the bench. So do you think, do you think it's a good situation where, <laughs> you, do you think Donovan Mitchell's coming off the bench? No,
0: God, no. That's, that's what I said. Happening. I said, I, I said. Up.
1: I said, obviously, Donovan Mitchell's not coming off the bench.
0: Yes, I think I laughed because that's the most no-duh comment that anybody
1: Okay, well, I'm just making sure. So he's not coming off the yeah. bench. Does Karras come off the bench first and then uh, Isaac starts? Is that the likely scenario here?
0: I don't know. I talked to multiple people about this yesterday, and obviously there are things that, that need to be figured out. Um, I could honestly see either one of those. Um, I could see them going with Isaac in part because of his defense. Um, I could also see them going with Karras because it, just, it changes the complexion of the Cavs' offense entirely to have three playmakers, three shot creators on the court next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And I think Evan is going to explore a big part of of his playmaking in his second year. Like I think as a rookie – The Cavs didn't want to overburden him. They didn't want to put too much on his plate. But I think in year two, they have more plans to make him more of an offensive hub so that they can explore his passing, his playmaking, his creation, stuff like that. That would be really, really difficult for a defense. So I think it's all about what the Cavs feel like they need more in that particular starting lineup. But I think those two are the front runners to be the starting three. And if I had to, estimate right now who would have the best odds to be the starting three, I think it's Isaac Okoro, more so than Karis LeVert, and I think Karis would come off the bench in a six-man role.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense on multiple levels. You know, Okoro does give you the defense. I mean, you know, people are, people and and maybe this is something you can address, too, is that, you know, the the, the backcourt gets no bigger, right? I mean, it's just like, right. they're, those guys are sm- they're, they're still small. So, yeah, do, you, do you do you need? Uh, you know, I think it would help to have the, You know, they go from big ball to like, real, two really big guys, two really small guys, and a medium guy. <laughs> you know, last yeah. year they played really big. How does that affect the way that they play? Just the 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 fact that they're going back to kind of they they're not going to have a seven footer in the middle or um, at the three anymore.
0: The acquisition of Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs giving up what they gave up in part lottery marketing it changes the dynamic of this team significantly. There's no doubt about that. Um, At the same time, you know, if you think back to last year, at the end of last year, the shot creation for the team was lacking. When Darius Garland was off the court, and this was after Colin Sexton got hurt and after Ricky Rubio got hurt and then traded, and Karis Levert wasn't the guy that the Cavs expected him to be when they traded for him, um, the numbers pointed to the Cavs being a disaster offensively when Darius was off the court. Because they just didn't have enough playmaking. They didn't have enough shot creation. So that's where Donovan comes in, and he's a good fit, right? Not the ideal fit like we've been talking about, but offensively, stylistically, he takes pressure off of Darius Garland. He takes some of that scoring burden and that playmaking burden off of Darius, and I think that's really, really going to help the Cavs and how they can function offensively. But it has to be a different kind of way than what they did last year. Because last year, a big part of their 44 wins, Hayden, it was the fact that they did have the tall ball lineup. And they had three seven-footers in their starting lineup, and that allowed them to become a top-five defense in the league. And a top-five defense allowed them to overcome the fact that they were a number 20 offense in the league. Um, But I think they're better equipped for a postseason seven-game series because of somebody like Donovan Mitchell. This isn't a move that you make for 82 games in the regular season. This is a move to make you more formidable in a seven-game series. And Donovan is the kind of guy that can shift a seven-game series. Donovan is the kind of guy who is used to having all eyes of the defense focused on him. And now he's not going to have all eyes of the defense focused on him because Darius commands that same attention. Evan Mobley could command that same attention. So it really puts the opponent in a bind. But defensively, I think the Cavs are going to take a little bit of a step back. And the identity that they created of that tall ball lineup, that's one of the byproducts of losing somebody like Lowry Mark And J.B. Bickerstaff loved Lowry. He was really, really excited for Lowry in year two. He was going to be the starting small forward once again. He brings shooting and floor spacing and size and versatility and enough athleticism. But now they have to go about it a different kind of way, offensively and defensively. And it's going to be up to J.B. Bickerstaff to figure that out now. He's going to. And it's, it's really easy when you have two dynamic creators like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. But I'm just saying it's going to have to have a different kind of look.
1: So how do you think, how do you think Donovan and Darius play off each other? What do you think the dynamic is there?
0: I think it's going to be great. I I don't think it's going to happen right away um, because they have both shown to be at their best when the ball is in their hands. They're both now used to being high usage players. But I think the beauty of somebody like Darius Garland is that he's one, a team first kind of guy. And two, he has shown a lot of effectiveness playing off the ball as well. He can come off of screens. He can shoot from the outside. He can space the floor for somebody like Donovan. Donovan. Um, And I think the other thing is they're probably going to get staggered, too. Uh, They're not going to play the entire game next to each other. So when Darius is off the court before Rubio comes back healthy, um, maybe the Cavs won't crater offensively the same way that they did last year because they have somebody like Donovan who can keep the offense going, um, be an engine in his own way.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And you know, that's another thing you brought up and that I hadn't even thought about. I mean, I saw it yesterday and I just, you know, my mind's been a million places, but um sure, of course. with Ricky with Ricky Rubio, I mean, they had a really, really good relationship, Donovan and Ricky Rubio. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. they, they were beloved in Utah. And I've seen and I've seen tweets and, and people saying, like, man, like I'm gonna be a Cavs fan now because you guys are my favorite part of the Utah Jazz. So I mean, having them <laughs> together is a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, all these things help, and Donovan is a great guy, and he has a relationship with multiple members of the Cavs already. Sometimes he has worked out with some of these guys in the offseason or played against some of these guys in the offseason. So those things are going to help. I'm just talking stylistically. You know, there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some adjustments that need to be made. Um, but I think both guys will be able to figure it out, And I think the kind of shot creation that Donovan brings combined with Darius is really, really going to help take the Cavs offense to a different kind of level. And I think it's going to prevent them from getting bogged down the way that we saw at times in the second half of the season. And especially in the play in tournament against Brooklyn and Atlanta, when teams were just sending extra defenders at Darius Garland and and making the Cavs offense, um, Completely flummoxed at how to combat that with without enough shot creation and playmaking.
1: So the Cavaliers lost, uh, they, they it did. They didn't lose. Well, they did. They they traded one player, or they traded three players for one player. So they lost, you know, two roster spots. So you look at the team now. You have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Acoro, uh Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Kevin Love, uh, Karis Levert. Jetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, um, Dylan, and Dylan Windler, um, Isaiah Wade. Mobley, Dean Wade. No,
0: no. Nah, Ricky don't Rubio. Have Isaiah Mobley.
1: Ricky Rubio. Um, Rock, oh, oh Neto. Neto, yeah. And uh, so you're about 13 spots. 13 spots. 14.
0: 14. 14. They don't have Isaiah Mobley technically. Yeah. Isaiah Mobley is on. A two-way contract, yeah, so he's okay. going to bounce between the Cleveland charge and, and the right. NBA team. So technically, they're at 14 spots, and Hayden, they're about $3 million below the luxury tax. So yeah. there's enough room to add somebody else if they want to do that. There's enough room if they want to try and continue to consolidate the roster with other trades if they want to do that. Or they could keep the roster spot open and, and keep that flexibility through training camp, which is something... That in the past the Cavs have liked doing.
1: I mean, I think they're pr- they I, on on the surface they look pretty deep. I mean, you have you know Neto slash Rubio, you have Karis right. Levert, you have Je- I mean Jetty for what he's worth. You got Kevin Love. You have Robin Lopez. You- I mean, there there's some there's some some depth there.
0: There is, and I think the other thing that this move does is it consolidates the roster and it sort of clears up a logjam that they were staring at, right? I mean, we talked about it multiple times on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. What are they going to do at the guard spot? They have 96 available minutes at the one and two, and they've got Darius, Karis, maybe Colin, um, Howell Neto, Ricky Rubio, Isaac Okoro, Ochai Abaji, and we were talking about how You know, some of those guys were probably going to play the three in certain stretches. Some of the guys were going to be out of the lineup one night and in the lineup the next night. Now you take, um, you know, Colin Sexton out of the equation and Abaji out of the equation, and it just becomes a little bit easier for J.B. Bickerstaff to navigate and and figure out how he's going to split up those minutes at the one in the two spot. Um, The weak point of this roster, though, Hayden, is the same thing that it's been since 2018 when lebron james left and it's even weaker now because the starting small forward last year is now on his way to utah the small forward spot continues to be a problem area for the Cavs. it's either going to be a coro or 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 karis um they've got jetty osman who can play minutes there lamar stevens dean wade um but whoever you put there is one going to be playing out of position Or two, you know, not the starter quality small forward that you would prefer to have when you're a team that has legitimate playoff aspirations. It's something that the Cavs have to figure out. It's a very, very difficult thing to figure out. And I don't see an obvious piece that they could go out and acquire that's going to be a significant addition that's going to make them significantly better at that particular spot.
1: Yeah, I could not agree more. Not agree. Um, for those who may not be so familiar with uh, Donna Mitchell, he will be 26 years old in about uh, five days on September 7th. Yep. He's one, yep. so a small guard, um, yep. but a tremendous score averaged 25. Point nine points, almost twenty six points last year. Over average twenty six in twenty twenty. Um, what, Chris? Do you what? What kind of this uh, scouting report would you kind of give those who, you know, may they may know of Donovan Mitchell, may know of him as a great player, but you know, may not know exactly what he brings to the table.
0: A souped up Colin Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's about it. Like he score first. Um, yeah. There are questions about his playmaking, but he has shown a little bit of growth in that particular area. Um, He's undersized for the two-guard spot. Um, He is not the greatest defender. Like I don't think he's the same kind of statistical disaster that, that Colin Sexton has been labeled because of some of the numbers that point to how bad he's been. Um, but Donovan's not a great defender by any means. I don't think he's a plus defender at best. I think he's neutral, but I would say he's probably a little bit below that as a defender. Um, but like I said, you know, the best way to cover that up is with quality defensive pieces around those guys. Um, it still worked for a team like Utah. Right. They still had one of the best defenses in the entire NBA, um, even with Donovan and and his flaws on that end of the floor, because they had Royce O'Neal on the wing, because they had Rudy Gobert as the anchor of that defense, because they had Mike Conley playing next to Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, had some defensive chops before he started aging. Um, So that's the way that you're going to have to do it. But in terms of a scouting report, it's a score first undersized two guard. Who has proven himself to play a winning style, um, and who has proven himself to be one of the best two guards in the NBA and one of the best pure scorers in the NBA? Who does a lot of his work on off the dribble shooting.
1: Yeah, and not not so much of a three point threat. I mean, yes, he can shoot it, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's a great three point shooter. I mean, you look at Darius Garland. yeah, that and that's why I think they'll work well together is because, you know, maybe the spacing will be a little better because, you know, it, maybe it should have worked better with Colin, but I think they were trying to get him to shoot three better. I think with, Do- with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think they're going to be like, you better shoot from outside, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, there are things that the Cavs have to figure out stylistically. Um, positionally, they have to figure it out as well. But it was an opportunity for them to add I don't know a top 18 to 25 player in the NBA. Those opportun- also who happens to be on the same timeline as the rest of your young players, and there's an element of team control because of his contract situation. Like those type of players don't come around very often, um, and and when they do, a team like the Cavs that is coming off a 44 win season that has aspirations that are higher than that, that wants to get back to the playoffs and wants to get back into contention, like those are opportunities that this kind of team can't pass up.
1: As of today, September 2nd, with Donovan Mitchell on the roster, what is your Cavs win total prediction?
0: I mean, I think it's right around 50. I think that's great. Um, I would say probably somewhere between like 47 and 51 is where I would lean right now. Um, I think if we're being honest about the Eastern Conference, um, the Celtics are better. I believe the Bucks are better. I believe Miami could be better. I have no idea what to make of Brooklyn. No idea. I think the Cavs are probably on the level of Philadelphia after this trade. And I would not have said that before this trade. Okay. Again, before this trade, I would have said, okay, the Cavs are right around Toronto. They're right around Chicago. They're right around Atlanta, New York. Now I think they've put themselves into the equation of Borderline tier two in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Okay.
1: I like it. I like it. I'd probably say the same as you. I don't think I'd go too differently on that. I think I'd say they're probably a solid 50 something win team. And then the postseason. I mean, that's kind of, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, better teams should win in the postseason, but sometimes, you know, you just have a special group that. I mean, the, the 2018 Cavaliers, for Christ's sake, they were a mess. And some – and LeBron yeah. took one on the back. So, you know, it, sometimes it just works. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I, – I think that, you know, I, I think that he's excited to be in Cleveland. I think that he sees the future. I think the Cavaliers are obviously thrilled to have him. And I, I think it, it's a really cool new thing for Cleveland. I think it's a really big step. I mean, Kobe really swung the pat here, and I think that um, – If he connects, I mean, this could be something that solidifies him as one of the best GMs in in the team's history.
0: This is the kind of talent, Hayden, that they were lacking. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of talent that, that lifts your organization to different heights and allows an organization to start to dream bigger. You know what I mean? This isn't LeBron. It's not Jason Tatum. We understand that. But again... 18 to 25 in the nba a guy who has done it in the playoffs who has done it in the regular season a guy who has helped the jazz become a formidable team in the western conference with this young group this is a team that it's not just about this year this is a team that for the next three to five years can be a force in the eastern conference i mean four of their five starters are all-star quality players. I truly believe that. Like Under, the only 27 guy that doesn't have Under 27 yeah, years
1: exactly old. Under 27 years old. Yeah, exactly right.
0: Yeah. The only guy who doesn't have an all-star attached to his resume is Evan Mobley, who I think is the best of all these young players that the Cavs have on this roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you
0: know, I think, I think this is a team that is going to have a say in what happens in the Eastern Conference for the next three to five years. And then, obviously, you know, Hayden, the elephant is that Donovan's going to have a decision to make. He's got a player option in the final year of his contract. Um, You know, there are people around the NBA that feel like he has wanted a bigger market for his entire career, and there are people in the NBA that feel like when his contract is up, he's going to leave Cleveland. Um, That's far down the road, but... The thing that I'll say is that the Cavs believe in their future, they believe in what they have here, and they believe this is the situation that will make Donovan happy. And they believe if they win the games that they think they're going to be able to win into the future, and they have the success that they believe they can have with this particular roster, that it's going to be really, really difficult at the end of Donovan's contract to walk away from this situation. To walk away from Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and Jared Allen and one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference.
1: No, you're 100 percent right. I don't think he's going anywhere if they win. You know what I mean? Like if they're winning, right. if they're making fun if they make the finals, if they're, you know, winning I mean, he's not going anywhere. So that's not I don't think that's to worry about right now. I, I think that, you know, you just gotta that's way down the road and um gotta focus on what's in front but of you. It but it's
0: but it's part of the equation because if the yeah. Cavs gave up these unprotected picks into the future in 25, 27, and 29, two of those could be after Donovan Mitchell could potentially leave in free agency. And that could change the outlook of, of, of this trade and whether this trade is successful. Um, right. So it's something that I think has to be taken into account when evaluating um, everything that the Cavs gave up in order to get this done. Like, if this is a play for um, two and a half years, you think of this trade one way. If this is a play that lasts seven to eight years, then you think of this trade another kind of way.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's the case with all trades. I think that, you know, on the surface, will they work out? We'll see. We will definitely see.
0: Hey, you know what? There's one other thing here, Aiden. Yeah. Like, if you remember... Kobe Altman, at his end-of-season press conference, this is something that I thought about last year. Yep. Um, Kobe Altman said at his end-of-season press conference, because of the style that the Cavs showed last year, because of the success that they had, 44 wins, and because of um, the personality of Darius Garland and the leadership of Darius Garland, Kobe said this is going to be a place where guys want to come. This is going to be a place where guys want to stay. You know, Jared Allen had an opportunity to leave the Cavs after they traded for him. He decided to stay. Darius Garland had an opportunity to leave. If he wanted to, of course, he decided to stay. You know, Donovan could have made it known to the Cavs through his camp, hey, no, don't even bother. Don't even bother trading for me. I'm not going to be happy there. You're wasting your time, da 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 all indications are he didn't do that. All indications are he's really, really happy about this trade. All indications are that he's really excited to play with this young group, including Darius Garland. So having this kind of setup that the Cavs do with these young players that Donovan can grow alongside and having somebody with a magnetic personality like Darius that, that is the face of this whole entire renaissance, like – I think that can draw guys to Cleveland.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's one guy in particular that I think re- <laughs> might, might, <laughs> might, might regret might regret taking that deer extension uh, in Los Angeles right now. No, I, he doesn't regret it. But, you know, I mean, I, I cannot for a second sit there and think that he's not sitting there looking at the Cavs roster and saying, man, how good would it be if I was there? I mean, you cannot for a second tell me that would be the case.
0: Do you, do you see which pick they held on to into the future? Yes, I which do. First round pick, I did not give up. It was the, the, it's the 2024 first round pick where um, coincidentally or un, non-coincidentally. Completely um,
1: non-coincidentally. That's completely on purpose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's somebody named Bronny James who uh, could be draft eligible.
1: I like to refer if to him by his. I like to refer to him by his full name, LeBron James Jr. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: That's. So, I mean,
0: um, it, it, of like, all the picks it, that the Cavs gave up, that's not one of them that they right.
1: gave up. How funny is that? Oh my God. Well, you you hope they're not in the lottery there, though. I mean, goodness, you know.
0: Well, I mean that's what they're open. I mean that's yeah. the thing, right? Like. When it comes to giving up unprotected picks, there's always a risk involved. But you're betting on your future. You're betting on yourselves. You're saying to yourself, we're going to be so good. We're going to be so successful, especially with somebody the caliber of Donovan, that, you know, those unprotected picks are going to be late in the first round. So those aren't going to burn us. Those aren't going to hurt us. There's no way to predict that, of course, but that's what you bank on. Right.
1: Well, Chris, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of idiots. I mean, this whole offseason we'd be like, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of change. They're going to keep this thing kind of together. <laughs> and then, boom, <laughs> shell drops and everything changes in the, the drop of a hat. It's, it's kind of remarkable how that works, but Hey, it's, 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 a, it's an exciting thing. It's going to make for an exciting season. I think the fans are going to be very, very excited um, to watch this team. Um, and I think, You know, I think, and not not to be, not to make this about other teams in our leagues, but I think that's what the Guardians kind of are missing right now. They're playing really good ball, but like they just, they they don't have that, like, yes, Jose, of course, but I don't know. They're just kind of missing that kind of piece. And I think that's what the Cavaliers are missing until now. I think Donovan brings that. And now I think they're going to see a new energy in that arena. I think you're going to see a new energy in that franchise. And, um, And I think you're right. I think it's time for postseason or bust. And now, you know, you're starting to compete for championships.
0: Well, the thing that we also did say throughout the course of this offseason, Hayden, we said, if there's an opportunity, the Cavs are, one, going to be willing to explore that. And two, they're set up to pounce on that and maybe have the kind of package that is going to entice the other rebuilding team, right? That's why, if you're a team like the Cavs, you, you have to hit on your draft picks, you know, because they drafted Abaji with the 14th pick, he became attractive to the jazz, right? You know, somebody like Colin Sexton became attractive to the jazz, somebody like Lowry marketing Those were ancillary pieces that were thrown in there, but it's all part of the package, right? right. So because the Cavs had these young, talented players, um, that had shown enough on the court in the case of Colin and Lowry and enough in college in the case of Abagi, Um they made for a logical trade partner for a team like San Antonio, for DeJounte Murray, for a team like Boston, if they were willing to move off of Jalen Brown, for a team like the Utah Jazz, if they were willing to move off Donovan Mitchell, which they were. So, you know, all of that goes into it. There's no doubt about it.
1: Right, I mean it's yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. I'm excited to see how it all comes together. It's going to be really something special. I I I can't wait to see you know how how it how it uh how it all plays out. So uh, I think Donovan's excited. I I think think about
0: the conversations. Think about the conversations today, and and how different they are than they were three weeks ago. Oh, now there's chatter about do the Cavs have the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference? Now there's chatter about do the Cavs belong in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? Right. You know, there was no guarantee coming into this year that the Cavs were going to be a play-in team because of the depth and the strength of the Eastern Conference. Um, There was no guarantee that if they became a play-in team, that they were going to be able to get out of the play-in tournament. Um, If you're a team like the Cavs and you are looking at improving – There were two paths to it. You could improve internally. um, You could improve slowly and organically. And it seemed like before this deal came together that that's the route that the Cavs were going to go. But the other route was improving externally, finding somebody the caliber of Donovan Mitchell that you don't currently have on the roster, that you don't usually have the means to acquire, and go out and get him. Yeah. They chose that path.
1: Yep. Yep. They certainly, they certainly did. And I don't
0: blame them for that. I don't blame them for that, honestly. Because, like, if you're a team that is sitting there saying, okay, how are we going to take that next step as an organization? It's great that we won 44 games. It's great that we got to the play-in tournament. But what do we do to take the next step? And I think, you know, part of them would have been comfortable running it back feeling like let's see how far this group can take us but again when this kind of opportunity presents itself you can't just sit on your hands and say no we're good right
1: no of course of course last thing with donovan are we gonna get rid of number 45 i don't i don't like it i'm not a fan
0: i don't think so man like he had that for a long long time
1: i know i know it's my least it's my least favorite thing about him Everything else is good. The 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 number it looks terrible.
0: <laughs> maybe it'll um, maybe it'll, it'll wipe away the thoughts of Denzel Valentine, the last guy Ah, ah
1: Poor Denzel Valentine. Poor Denzel Valentine. Well, yeah. Remember those I, days. Yes, I do. I remember those days. And remember also, and and also, I don't care what number he wears. He's gonna be a, one of the top selling jerseys in the probably the top selling jersey on the team so although i don't know maybe maybe darius garland darius garland perfect number 10 great number great number i feel like trump (laughs) right now i feel like trump great number great great love the number so great um but yeah no i number 45 it, it doesn't do it for me but hey if he doesn't on the court that's all that matters right that's all that really all that really counts um I think i was trying to think if i had anything else um oh all right last thing I, I, last thing after the last thing that i just said is this yeah. the second is this the second biggest move in Cavs history oh man other than acquiring lebron um, james again for the second time
0: boy there's nothing else that that comes to mind right. that i can really think of right yeah i mean like this changes the trajectory of the Cavs for the next three to five years, potentially, maybe even longer than that. Right. Um, I mean, Kevin Love was a big one. Kevin yeah, Love was a big yeah. one. That gave, that that finalized the Cavs' big three.
1: Yeah. I You know what? I'm going to, I love Kevin. I think he's going to be, I think he moves down to third all time. In terms of big Yeah, moves. you might be
0: right about that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. we're so prisoner of the moment that we lean right. on what is new and what is fresh, and I get that. But I just think
1: But uh, but here's the, the thing future. with Kev here, Here's the thing with Kevin too though. It worked. With Kevin it worked. We yeah. we, right. think gonna, we think it's going to we think it's going to work with right. Donovan, but you don't know. Right. So, we'll I guess it's I guess revisionist history. I guess we'll get to look back and see see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm still going to say Kevin. I'm still going to say that that was bigger but this because, is right there in that conversation
1: right okay all right we'll keep it two we'll keep it two three so this is the third third biggest move in uh in franchise history
0: i also think we need to point out and and i know this gets really really nerdy and this is big time chess stuff but like the Kyrie irving trade to the boston celtics played a part in the cash getting donovan mitchell
1: That's true. No, that is absolutely true.
0: Like correct. Like if you follow the path
1: that you not only Colin
0: Sexton, not only Colin Sexton going to Utah, right? But like Larry Nance Jr. became a part of that, and then Lowry Markkinen became a part of that, and then Lowry Markkinen became part of the Cavs getting Donovan Mitchell.
1: You could not be more right. You are exactly correct. So yes, it was a
0: five-year game of chess. But Kobe, like.
1: Kobe was playing some real chess. So. <laughs> <laughs> he had that. He had this move in mind when he traded Kyrie for for the pick. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He didn't. Was not even in the NBA at that at that point? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well, he knew then. He knew
0: Bare, barely, but he was
1: right. He knew. That's hilarious. Um, anything else you want to bring up, Chris? I mean, I think we uh, we covered a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's about it. Training camp is about a month away.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's going to be exciting. I'm assuming that we'll get like an introductory – well, maybe – I don't know. I don't know if, what they'll do with the press. They haven't officially – I don't think they've officially confirmed the trade, right? Yet?
0: No, not yet. Not okay. that I've seen. Okay. So that'll
1: probably be coming in a couple – in the coming days, and then I guess we'll – see when they officially uh, announce him and, you know, bring him to, uh, yeah. bring him to Cleveland. In the oh, meantime.
0: So the other thing that I wanted to touch on, so there yeah. are two pick swaps attached to this just to cl- yeah. kind of like clean up everything. There are two pick swaps attached to this as well. Um, I'm told that one of them is very, very convoluted um, because like the Minnesota Timberwolves, are somehow involved in it too from the Rudy Gobert trade. So I don't even know if one of those pick swaps, I think it's the 26 one, is actually going to transpire. Um, but, but the pick swaps, I don't think, can be ignored in this as well. I mean, Utah basically controls the Cavs' draft capital for five straight years. Right. Right, so, you so, that's, so we don't that's,
1: know exactly what they adds are yet? That an
0: element of risk to it.
1: So we don't know exactly what they are yet?
0: I mean, at the end of the season, Utah will be able to say, we're getting your pick, or Utah will say, we don't get your pick. Yeah, okay. Right, that's what a pick swap is. It basically gives the power to Utah based on where the two teams fall in the standings.
1: Okay, okay. All right, well... Again, I I don't think the Cavaliers are super worried about that at this point. They got what they wanted. No, they're clearly
0: not. Yeah, they they're... they believe in their future. They believe in Donovan, and they believe in in what they have um, is is going to be sustainable now. And it's right. It's something that's going to be sustainable and lasting. And we'll see if if they were right.
1: Well, if you haven't subscribed to Chris's subtext, you missed out yesterday. It would have been a perfect day for you to do so uh cleveland.com slash calves blue banner at the top of the page enter your phone number 399 a month 14 day free trial you'll get insight analysis news updates sent straight to your phone from Chris sign up today what better time now I say that all the time but seriously I don't think there's a better time than right now to do it because again this Cavaliers team is on a new trajectory new era um and it's exciting so definitely sign up today should be a lot of fun Chris Get back to your PTO. I hope you can at least get, you know, get some of the time back. I know you're probably going to be out working on stuff, but um, in the meantime, try to try to try to get, try to take that PTO because I know you don't get it back.
0: Wait, we can't end this without you explaining the story of Michael Bublé last night from you at the concert. <laughs> like that, oh, that cannot go without being talked about here.
1: I, I wanted to go, I wanted to deal with that. I'm talking about it. Not nope. because I just don't, I just don't like, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's the most unbelievable thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, he like, I, you know, I've been a fan of his for 20 years and he's just, we've just, I've just been connected to him and the music. I just, I love the music so much and he's kind of been the only yep. guy alive to do it. I mean, you know, Sinatra's dead. Dean Martin's dead. These guys are all Elvis is dead. They're all dead. And, uh, he was just somebody that did it and was, you know, young and modern and he just, it was a very big role model and a hero to me my whole life. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've just, you know, social media, you get a chance to kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't annoy him. I don't, I'm not like tagging him in everything every day, but, you know, if something comes up, I'll tag him and just be like, thanks, man, for all, you know, for all you've done. And he's one, I think during the pandemic, I sent, I'd, I'd sent a message and, or I I tagged him in something and he responded on Instagram. And was like, dude, that means so much. Thanks so much. And I was like, holy crap. And then I think from there he started to recognize me a little bit. Like I, I he's done like some video things, and I sent, I asked him a question in like this press conference here or this, this like Q and A he was doing. And he re, he recognized me there. And then all of a sudden, like this past year, he got on TikTok and he's been pretty active on TikTok. And like he's really not active on social outside of tic, outside of TikTok. And so. He, yeah. he's on tiktok and i followed him and like a couple of days later or a couple of months later um i just got a random notification that he liked one of my videos and then he followed me and i was like what the f <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> one of, I'm, I'm one of i was one of 60 he follows he's two million followers um yeah. and he follows 68 people and i'm one of them and oh my uh God. yeah and last night i was at the show i i I, I mentioned i mentioned like on a video that I was going. I don't know if he saw it or not, but I went to the show and I was I had great seats. I mean, i that's what I spent my money on. And um, and he saw me, and I he pointed to me at first like in the first couple songs. he pointed like he just gave me like a nod and pointed to me, and I was like, all right, maybe I don't know what's gonna happen. Then he like, you know, goes through a couple songs and he you know, he sings a song, one of his most favorite songs called Home, and he's sitting there in front of like right in front of me and when the song ends he's like i don't know how i want to do this but um but he is like how many people have tick tock and he raised they raise their hands and uh yeah and people are screaming and, and then he just goes he's like well man i have a tick tock and you know i i know i recognize this guy in front of me that i've been following on TikTok. tock his name is hayden grove and um he's a singer and just uh and he's i like him i like him a lot and um I think we need to blow up his TikTok, so everybody go follow him on TikTok and like made a big oh. deal out of it. So it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it, I think the video that I That's posted small. up, the video I the the video I posted is up to like over two hundred and fifty thousand people have seen it. So it's pretty uh pretty remarkable. That's yeah, it he's so great. he really is just the most down to earth like incredible guy that I've and it and I it goes beyond this moment. I mean, there's been so many others. So I'm uh. I'm I'm still on the floor. It's still uh, still crazy.
0: For those that don't know, how long have you been singing?
1: I've been singing for since I was like seven, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. Okay. You've come out to see me a couple times. I appreciate that. I have. You have. I
0: have.
1: Definitely. So
0: how did you get into crooner music? Because. Not a lot of people our age are into that. Stuff.
1: No, no. So I originally liked, um, you know, I just my parents were very eclectic in their music. They liked all kinds of stuff. My mom loves Bruce Springsteen. My dad likes like classical music musicals like, um, you know, oh, yeah. and a lot of a lot of the old stuff, too. But they had a really big CD collection. And I just and originally my favorite my favorite music when I was really young was actually like the motown stuff like aretha franklin and and that kind of thing and i still love that music today um but i was listening to i was going through cds one day and i stumbled upon a, a harry connick jr cd and it just it like lit up my world and then like a couple months later there was buble on the tv for the first time and i saw him and i was like oh, this is yeah this is it and yeah, um this it is my guy. Happened, yeah yeah and it just happened to fit my voice and happened to fit my um my style and yeah, it's just it was kind of meant to be. I think so. I know a lot of young people don't do it, and a lot of people don't young people don't connect with it. But I think it's pretty cool that you know I'm even able to help people connect with it in some way. I mean, yeah, it's it's I I feel very grateful. That's
0: awesome! What a story! I
1: love yeah. that. Yeah, I'm apparently apparently I'm supposed to do. Apparently, I'm supposed to get, get be interviewed by Mark Bona soon. So we'll see we'll see how that goes.
0: Yes, nice. <laughs>
1: Mark Mark Bona, I love Mark Bona. We we worked many times together, but it's gonna be different yeah. being getting being on the other side of the interview with him. You know, It'd be crazy.
0: My well, wife, by to... the way, calls you. My wife calls you Hayden Grove.
1: Oh, okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that.
0: Have you ever thought about changing your no. stage name to Hayden Grove?
1: I am not. No, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. I don't want to, my father is too, my father is, my father is also my hero, very much so my hero. And uh, I definitely would not want to uh, take away the Grove name. So no, I will not be doing that. But Uh, I would love to see, I would love to see you and Elliot and uh, Holly at a show sometime soon, or if not, even just, you know, somewhere out and about grab a, a lunch or something.
0: Heck yeah. You know it. I mean, right. we were going to go see you at Crocker Park, and then it was terrible weather or something like that, yeah. and you got moved inside.
1: Yep, yep, all good, yep. all good. It'll it'll happen, it'll happen. He's doing well. Elliot's doing well. It looks like He's doing it. doing great. Your, your pictures are beautiful, man. Yep. They're beautiful. I mean, Getting
0: amazing. big, very, very happy, sitting yeah. up, rolling all over the place.
1: Yeah. The only moments in my life that I hope are better than the one last night are uh, – you know, eventually yeah. getting married and having kids. I think that would be the, that would be, the best.
0: That'd
1: be the best. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Well go spend more time with them. Stop talking to me. Yeah. I'll have this up soon. <laughs> Thank you everybody for joining us. Appreciate you uh, talking to us on the wine and gold, or listening to us on the wine and gold talk podcast. I guess you're not talking to us. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. A lot of it's a labor day weekend and uh, Ohio state's playing tomorrow night. Brown's coming up Cavs training camp starting soon. Donna Mitchell, the new star. So things are happening which is exciting here in Cleveland. We appreciate you. Have a great, beautiful day. Take care.